Hello everyone, we are rolling for another episode of the JJF1 podcast where Jonah and Jordan talk about all things related to F1. Sunday race day and we are here to talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix where for the first time ever George Russell became a Grand Prix winner from Lewis Hamilton in second and Carlos Sainz in third and for the first time in 2022 we have a race winner that isn't Mercedes or uh, sorry that isn't Red Bull or Ferrari so Jordan, uh, we have a lot to unpack from this, what I think is probably my favorite race of the season. Um, so yeah, what what do you think about uh, about this race, how this, this unreal race unfolded? I think it was a great race. I really enjoyed watching it. It was really a good race. It was great to see George win. What was even better than the race was qualifying and seeing K-Mag get pole position. I think that... I don't want to go this episode without saying that because there's a lot to talk about and I don't want to forget about that. Yeah, yeah. No, trust me. I have I have my notes. I have uh, K-Mag on pole as the first thing that we're going to talk about. But uh, before we do, um, we forgot to, we did talk about Mexico because to be honest with you, there is nothing to say about Mexico. It was it was boring. Like for me, I I, I did not see a purpose of watching that race, to be honest with you. It kind of sucked. Um, like the Mexican fans deserve a much better circuit than the crap that they have. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we always like to say that the stadium section is so cool, which it is. It is. If if the stadium wasn't there, those turns actually suck. <laughs> it's like a four apex. No, it's like a a weird rounded apex turn and then into like a left hand so stupid yeah they it, it really does suck like i don't I, I don't understand they need to fix that you know like the mexican fans deserve a much better circuit because you could see how wild they are when sergio perez ends up on the podium so. yeah yeah well yeah i guess that was that was mexico it happened that's exactly what, what it was <laughs> there's nothing more to it yeah um but yeah let's let's go to qualifying where um because it's a sprint we had it on friday and uh i had off work this friday and i was eating poutine with my family who came to visit and all i see on the live timing is kevin magnuson is on pole (laughs) and there's like one minute left and i'm like oh yeah no worries like Verstappen's gonna pull out some sort of uh some sort of lap and he's gonna get on pole or something like that. Oh no no no, how wrong we were. It was too it was too wet for people to be able to go out. I since rewatched all of qualifying. But yeah, Kevin Magnuson in a Haas, which is the probably the worst car on the grid, if not the second worst, managed to put it together at the lap of his life to get his first ever pole position. From a man that wasn't even supposed to be on the grid to now a pole position sitter in Formula One. What a guy. 
even though there are much better drivers than him who aren't in F1, I still think just what a guy. Yeah, no, you 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 and I have different differing opinions on this. I really like Kevin Magnuson. I said it since the beginning. I think he's great. He deserve. I think he deserves to be in F1. I think I, that there are better drivers than Kevin Magnuson. Yeah, I know you do. I think he deserves. Haas loves Kevin Magnuson. To be fair, they do. I think that he has a perpetual seat at Haas unless somebody comes with like a half decent driver and a boatload of cash. So basically, Mazepin. No, because he's not a half decent driver. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! Like we we have to understand that he he he's a pole sitter. Shouldn't be a pole sitter, but also. He was a podium sitter on his first race in Formula yeah, 1. Yeah, his debut in McLaren. That's got to mean something. Yeah. Um, I think that he, they love him at Haas. I don't think he's, I think he has a perpetual seat at Haas um, until somebody comes with a boatload of cash and actually a half-decent driver. If Nikita Mazepin was somewhat of a good driver, I think they may have kept him, but he's not even a good driver, so they <laughs> didn't keep him. And the whole, they, I think they used that as an excuse to let him go. That was my opinion, but... yeah. But what what an amazing lap from him! I mean, damn! In the in the wet in Interlagos, I think this this rivals Stroll on pole as probably one of the best pole position laps in recent history, um, because that lap in in Turkey from twenty twenty is something that I will always remember as a, a shining moment in my in my re re like my second wave of formula one love so yeah it's I, this definitely has to be on that level of the most unlikely polls that anyone has ever seen and i think that this is probably the most unlikely poll we're ever going to see in formula one based on the fact that they're currently eighth or ninth in the constructors championship yeah so they're fighting for eighth with alfatari yeah AlphaTauri sucks this year, but uh, no. That's why he's leaving. Yeah. But yeah, Haas, uh, Haas has a pole position. Unreal. And Mick Schumacher finished in 20th. Could you believe at the beginning of the season if I told you that Haas was going to get a pole position? Would you believe me? I would have said you're on crack. <laughs> you're on mic <Mike> crack. <laughs> yeah. You thought Hassan Mar was going to win two rates. Uh, 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 uh. Nope, uh, has no. full position. No, has full position. No Aston Martin race wins. <laughs> officially, Jonah's prediction will not happen because he said that Aston Martin will win two races, one Lance, one Seb. There's one race left in the season, and the race just happened, and Lance or Seb did not win. So officially, Jonah's prediction cannot come to fruition. My prediction <laughs> cannot come to fruition either because I said that Bottas would get two podiums. Yeah, not he has none. <laughs> none. He actually has had a worse season than Aston Martin. Yeah, I mean, that I, I wanted to talk about this a little bit later, but Aston Martin could still pick up sixth place in the Constructors' Championship with a, solid, with a solid outing next week. Yeah, that's if they have a very solid outing next week. Well, I mean, they would need to, they would need to get six points. Yeah, but five or six points. And they wind up in 10th and 9th, and boom, you have three points. Let me dream, okay? <laughs> they need they need the extra wind tunnel time. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, let's run over to the sprint. Um 
and probably the craziest moment of what the hell is going on in Alpine's garage, um, where Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso hit each other and compromise both of their races. What do you think? Who's, well, whose fault was it? Uh, uh, what, what do you take from there? Otmar was losing it after, like, what do you take of, of that entire scenario? Um, well, I want to read a quote to uh, highlight the importance of this scenario. Is this uh, an Otmar Safnauer quote? No, from, it's a uh... Fernando Alonso quote. Let me read it. The quote says, Alonso, after his crash with Ocon via Sky Sports. One more race and it's over. Finally. Fernando Alonso. So, <laughs> so I wanted to bring that up and talk about that with you. Because, yes, it was... Fernando crazy. Alonso is the eternal teammate killer. I think we've known this. Yeah, and he's coming to Aston Martin. Um... And um, yeah, so yes, there was a collision. Front wing gone, um, you know, damaged his damage or ruined his rate, we should say. Um, and Fernando Alonso was not having it. He was not happy. Yeah. But but to be thing- fair, Vettel and Stroll also had a similar scenario, and Vettel's reaction was okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Anyways, sorry. Continue. So, you know, I just think that it's it's just interesting how teammate dynamics work and how frustrated you could be at a front wing. Um, I really have an interest have a have a hard time making trying to make out what this really means. Does this mean that Gasly is gonna fail next year with Ocon, or does it mean that Alonso is gonna fail next year with Stroll? And I don't know. It's- Here's what I think. I think that this is this is not this is not a one-off, Jordan. We've we've seen Fernando Alonso's career. How many teammates has he killed in the span of his F1 career? Let's not forget about Stoffel Van Dorn, who's now no longer in F1. Felipe Massa, uh, who could have been a driver's champion. Bruno Senna literally crashed because of uh, Crashgate in 2008 to allow Fernando to win and stay in the championship. Like, seriously, you would think that some teams would have to look around, see Fernando's history and be like, hey, maybe I don't want this guy on my team. Maybe he's kind of toxic. I think yeah. it's it's a Fernando problem. And I, like I, I look through the Alpine comments, and everyone's like, "Fire Alcon, fire Alcon." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." Fernando Alonso is the problem here, and, and I'm so annoyed that he's going to Aston Martin next year because of it. Yeah, and I don't know. My this is this begs to ask, ask the question: What does because of you know the off the track things he could possibly say? Because we know that he has a mouth, and we know that he is who he is, what does Aston Martin see in Fernando Alonso? What do they expect out of him? On-track results. Yeah, let's hope. Because he does deliver on track, let's be honest. Yeah, he does well on track. But, I mean, I guess I could tell you this 
this reminds me of a ho- a hockey team that well the hockey team that I currently play on in my first year our top scorer basically scored all the goals put up all the points and everything but he was such a toxic character that regardless of how much he scored on the surface i kicked him off the team because my teammates weren't enjoying his company so i feel like that's the same scenario of what's going on i should probably mention i was i'm the captain of my team so i had the authority to do that but uh yeah that it's i think that's the same scenario yeah well in this case it's alonzo who chose to leave and go to aston martin without even telling alpine which is also indicative of his communication skills yeah um but yeah i just wanted to bring that quote up because it's a very interesting quote we're gonna bring up a few quotes later uh, <laughs> meanwhile uh and then george russell wins the sprint race i mean just beautiful driving from him at the same time um anything else that we mentioned in the sprint or or moving on to the race yeah i would have liked to have seen kevin magnuson hang on to p1 for quite a little longer um he's, he's that, in he's in a bad car i, I know but you know just you, you a man can dream okay yeah I was just like, I want Kevin Magnuson to come away with one point, please. <laughs> and he got one point. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, in the race, K it was not it was not a good start for our boy K Mag. Um, where Ricardo tagged him and then his car spun around and hit Ricardo in the side, which then let both cars to be out of the race. And I think that that's an absolutely horrible way to for K Mag to end what could be maybe the best uh, weekend of his F one career. I mean, sure, he ended up on the podium, but he was in relatively competitive machinery. Here, he's he was in like a garbage car, and he put on he put it on on pole position, and he came away with a point in the sprint race. So. Yeah, and I think that that's also indicative of how Daniel Ricardo's season's been going because I'm, you know, he should, he like, I'm happy that he doesn't have a seat for next year. That's what I have to say about it because he's not, he hasn't been up to driving standards this year. He is not. I agree with that. I can't disagree with it. If I disagree with it, that means I'm not watching F1, which I am. So I do have to agree with it. But I do think that he deserves a seed in F1 still. He may not have been up to driving standards this year, but I do think that this is a eight-time Grand Prix winner, two podiums with Renault. He still deserves a seed in F1. I'm a big proponent of it. I think he deserves one more season. And if that season goes like this one, I think that he should be out of F1. I don't think so. I think I think that he's his leash has been tightened enough in McLaren this year where anyone else that's gonna take him on is is kind of like the the veteran who gets signed on an on a $750,000 deal just to see what happens and then he gets cut halfway through the season. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because you know, we started recording this podcast um into the Daniel Ricardo's first season with McLaren. And we'd spoken yeah. about our driver rankings. And when we spoke about that, I said that, you know, I like Daniel Ricardo, but he's on the decline because you, when you keep on switching teams, man, it, it gets harder and harder. And yeah. 
we see that with lots of drivers. I think the latest example is Daniel Ricardo. Um, and I said that I think that he will regret the decision of going to McLaren, just like Serial Abitabul claimed. Yeah. And he, he left at the best time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's surely came true. You yeah. know, he can tattoo his team principal all he wants, won't keep him a seat in, uh, in McLaren. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's it for him. Um, meanwhile, uh, after the safety car restart, PTSD to 21, uh, 2021 in Brazil, where, you know, Lewis and, and Max may have had a few collisions last year. I don't know if you remember any of them. Just about I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they were memorable at all, but, um, there were a few collisions that happened last year and, uh, Max, Max's wing got ripped off. Lewis's Lewis got hit in the side and the floor. Each of them were saying that they didn't get enough space, but I think that it was, I don't know. I don't know who, who didn't give another person enough space. I mean, based on previous scenarios, I would say Max never gives people enough space, but uh, I don't know about this one. I will always remember when they crashed in Monza in 2021 and Max said, that's what you get when you don't leave the space. I will <laughs> always remember that. And every time I think of Max and a close call, that's the quote that I think of in his yeah. Dutch accent. Definitely. And, and uh, that reminds me also of Fernando. All the time you have to leave the space. All the time. <laughs> but I think it was fair game. I really think it was fair game. Um, you think it was just a racing incident? Absolutely. Hmm. I think it was very fair game. Care to elaborate? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that, um, first of all, I think that it would have been noted and investigated further had the stewards thought it was not a racing incident. That's number one. Fair. And didn't they say, doesn't the rule book say you have to leave a car's width of room Oh, am I thinking, am I thinking about, oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> and I think that just gauging by my perception of my TV screen that there may have just been exactly know, like one car length. Like Martin Brendel said, a car's width and nothing more. Yeah. I think also that another reason why it was 50-50 for me is because of, um, because of the way that um as the words are escaping me uh because of the way that through turn one and through turn two max was ahead and then lewis was ahead so basically once someone's ahead you need to be able to leave space unless you get a five second penalty for it um i that's also where i thought it was 50 50 because at one point max was ahead in turn one and then when they were fighting and they collided it was like just on the other side of turn two and i saw that lewis had like his wing in front so for me it was 50 50. i think that it could go either way but i really think there was just enough for the mm. stewards to not investigate it further yeah well at the same time literally half a lap later ferrari got to do ferrari things and Charles Leclerc spun into the barrier <laughs> yeah my god 
On top of that, they put Leclerc on inters when everyone was on slicks and qualifying. Yeah, that was weird. I it's, just, it's just Ferrari. It's just Ferrari. Are you even yeah, surprised at to, this point? <laughs> I, I, they need to like hire a whole new strategy team for next year. <laughs> you would have so won substantially more races otherwise. Or at they, least probably, they probably would have won the championship, to be fair. But literally. Or at least, or at least there would still be a championship decider next week in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, like uh yeah. But we're going to have a decider between Leclerc and Perez, which is going to be interesting. Yeah, like, so let's I talk about that really quick. want to talk about? Because yeah. that That's that actually is... the next thing I have on my notes, Jordan. So... so let's put it into perspective for the listeners. Yeah. Red Bull allowed Max to overtake Checo so that he can eclipse either the Alpine of Fernando Alonso or the Ferrari of Charles Leclerc, so that they get less points in the uh, in the championship, just be based purely on his pace. Said he has faster pace, higher chance of allowing them to get more points by overtaking them. They had also clearly stated that if he fails to do so, in the last lap, he will let Checo overtake him. That way, Checo is ahead by two points going into Abu Dhabi. At least it's more of a, it's a damage limitations sort of strategic move and strategic mm. thing. Yeah. Now the issue was that Max did not reach Alonso and evidently nor did he reach Leclerc. And when it got to the last lap, Checo obviously expected to overtake Max and cross the finish line ahead. That way he'd get the two points boost on Leclerc. Now that didn't happen. And when the race engineer, I forget who Max's race engineer is, DP. asked um, Max, why didn't he do that? Max responded with, I want to find the quote. Uh, I'm, I'm vaguely paraphrasing, but it was basically, I don't come to them, they come to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Something like that. It said like, you have to stop asking me these sorts of questions. I've already put my foot down. It's not happening. Yeah. And it's the type of quote where it shows that, you know, we know who runs the show around here. Yeah, but let's be real here. This is this is not new in, in Max Verstappen's career. Even since we've started this podcast, we have had we have talked about so many things that Max has said on the radio and during interviews and on podiums and everything where he's just a baby because he doesn't yeah. get his way. Yeah. And he was very stubborn about it. And then Checo comes on the radio. And what does Checo say? I'm going to find the quote because I want to read the full quote. I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to butcher it. Right. You were the one that sent it to me, eh? Yes, I'm gonna. I'm yeah. going to, I'm I am. Going to... I am. I am very surprised. After all I did for him, if he has two world championships, it's thanks to me. Yes. And then I got sent something else by my friend um, from ESPN F1 that said, "Oh no, I think it was you also. It might have been. I don't even know." But. Um, it really it basically shows... said it shows who he really is. Yeah, exactly. Did you send that to me also? I did. I sent you. Okay. Now, now that we read these quotes out in this exchange, what do you think happens next at Red Bull? Do we think that everything stays the same? 
Everything's going to stay the same. Dude, <laughs> That's everything it. Everything's staying the same. Here's the thing, okay? I We knew that Max has a bad temper and that he's a baby when it comes to not things not getting his way. And we kind of just, you know, put it under the table, throw it under the rug because he's a really good driver. But... You know, sometimes things like this comes out and it's just like, yeah, no, maybe, maybe someone should, someone should talk to him and say, hey, by the way, you probably should clean up your act. Um, For me, I think the worst moment of that was last year in Saudi Arabia, where he fully just left the podium. Yes, I was actually thinking the exact same thing. Like, come on, you're on the podium. Do you know how many dri- do you know how many drivers would kill to be on that podium? Yeah. Sure, you don't need to spray Lewis and Valtteri and, and James with champagne, but you could just like, I don't know, drink, drink a little bit, cheers the everyone else, take the picture and go home. Like you just be respectful. That's that's all that I'm asking. It's not it's not that hard. You're literally a two-time world champion. You already have won the championship this year. The constructors championship is already under wraps. Maybe it's time that you help your teammate. A hundred percent. Now I'm gonna say something, and I hope the listener listeners don't crucify us for it. Uh, but what I will say is that I think Max Verstappen is the modern day Fernando Alonso. Oh, 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 oh boy. He is the hot takes here at the JJF1 podcast. 26-27 years old. He is just Fernando Alonso, but is it 25? 25, I've no idea. He's whoever Fernando Alonso is, but 15 to 17 years younger. Such a baby. Seriously, it's so frustrating. It is very frustrating. And and the thing is that we've talked about how good he is in the car. He may be the most dominant driver. Exactly. But we have to consider that F1 is a sport that talks about inclusivity. F1 is a sport that talks about achieving all these ecological goals. F1 is a sport that talks about doing good for the world. And... You know, having somebody be the model of F1, that being Max Verstappen, is the model of F1 today. He is the, everybody who's young coming into Formula One, right now they're not really focusing on Lewis. To them, Mm. it's now Max Verstappen's show. Yeah. He needs to be more of a role model, especially for younger people. And... um, Not who he is. (laughs) It is not who he is. And unfortunately, we... I think that it should be addressed. I don't think it will be addressed. No, it's not going to be addressed. He has the championships. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I think the way it needs to go down is that as of next year, as of Bahrain 2023, Checo's got to get all the same upgrades the Max got, and they got to let them race. And if they don't do that as of next year, Max already got the world titles. Yeah. They got to give them each a fair shot. And that's... This, yeah. And that's this sounds a lot. There was, this, there was... Oh, yeah, go. So this sounds a lot like 
14, 15, 16 Mercedes in the making, and I don't want it to happen because I love Checo. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want it to happen either, but there was an interview this year with Sky Sports right before the Mexican Grand Prix, or I should say the Mexico City GP. And Checo was talking, and they asked him a question, and they said, Sergio, do you believe you had a fair shot against Max this season? And without hesitation, Checo answered, I do not believe it. Because he got the upgrades. He's clearly being favored in the garage when he started winning some races. And that is how the season went down. I think that they need to start giving Checo some upgrades and give them an even shot against each other and let them race. Let him race. Um, Yeah. And that's how it should go down. Because Max is the number one driver. We get it. But... He's already got the championships. Let them race, have a competitive season, and 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 let them race. That's that's my take. Yeah, I think we should let them race next year. But let's see what happens with that. Um, anything else we want to say about Max and Checo a little bit more, or or do we continue with the rest of the race? Yeah, no, I'm I'm just really upset. But yeah, I'm I'm also upset. But that's... I'm very much looking forward to seeing the reactions from. A lot of the F1 journalists. I'm uh, curious to see what Christian Horner is gonna say. Yeah, I'm 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 curious too. Uh because we saw how often Otmar Safnauer ripped into his drivers after the sprint. Um if Christian Horner has some sort of foothold on this team, then he needs to put his foot down too. Because I, I think I think so as well, because I think that Max is trying to kind of believe it's his team at least that's what that comment showed yeah max thinks that he has the championships and he can operate as he pleases at this point yeah and that's uh max (laughs) anyways uh so lando norris's car just died because you know that's what it is on his birthday Um, too yeah on his birthday um 23 or 24, I think 24. 24. Anyways, so Lando pulls over and there's a safety car restart for 10 laps. And draw, and everyone makes it out alive. What was going through your mind when you saw that the safety car was ending? That George Russell was going to win his first race. Oh yeah, you thought you thought I thought that Hamilton was going to win. I was like nope. there's got to be something that's going to happen. <laughs> Um, in history, Hamilton has never been the best at safety car restarts. Um, so my take is that I was very happy and I, and I was thinking that George Russell was about to win his first F1 race. Um, secretly, I was kind of hoping that Ferrari kind of makes a surprise. Um, we'll talk about Ferrari. Wait for it. (laughs) Um, no, I just wanted, I just wanted a first time Grand Prix winner and I wanted to be George Russell. So... Before we talk about the absolute accomplishments by Mercedes today, let's talk about Ferrari. Um, and Leclerc had the same conversation with his uh, engineer that Checo had basically after, where Leclerc wanted Sainz to step down so that he could take the podium and take second place in the championship. But neither of them listened. And I think that Carlos Sainz just drove drove the better race today um i think that you know 
Martin Brundle was saying on the broadcast something how, yes, in theory, they should do it, but it's for a podium. And also mentioned that, you know, a couple of years ago, Carlos Sainz was pushed up to a podium when he was at McLaren. Yeah. Um, you know, it was his first ever podium in F1 that he got, I think, via a penalty that, uh, I don't know if it was Hamilton. Or yeah, it was a five. It was a five second penalty that pushed him up to third place. Exactly. So he got the penalty. He got the third place. So it, it's different when it's for a podium. Um, but yeah, I think he drove the better race. I think that he deserved the podium. And yeah. I think in the grand scheme of things, it was the better move to not switch them. Yeah, I think so too. But to be fair, I understand what Leclerc's what Leclerc is saying because we just ripped Max for not doing it. So, right. But I think that in this case, um, I I I I understand the way what they went about saying. it is so much. It's it's more. It's it's different. Yeah, it is different. If Max That's had true. gone on the radio and said, "I tried to find a turn, wasn't able to do it. Sorry, guys." We would not be having this conversation. No, we would not. They they were clear with him. Max led them to believe something. He did not complete it. And then responded with arrogance. Yeah. Whereas here, Charles was asking for something. Ferrari weighed the pros and the cons, made a decision, and then said, you have to live with our decision. And they respected the team's decision. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's what I think. I Ferrari think making sound strategy decisions? We're not what used to it. That's why we're having this like kind of yeah. like, we're kind of bugging a little bit. I know. Some something isn't adding up. Uh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh checkered flag comes and George Russell and Lewis Hamilton complete the first Mercedes one two since Imola 2020. And Mercedes win a race for the first time since Saudi Arabia 2021. George Russell is a first time Grand Prix winner. Mr. Consistent, remember for how many races in a row he didn't finish outside the top five? He, uh, like, the guy really showed that he deserves that seat, and he probably should have gotten it a few years back. <laughs> yeah, you know, he got a rift away from him at the Sakhir Grand Prix back in 2020. Um, and that was the second-to-last race of 2020, so exactly two years to the race, he gets a his first Formula One win. Yeah. And also did it in clean fashion, leading, you know, almost the entire time. Lights the flag. Yeah. Lights the flag. I think it was the entire time he led. Yeah. And no, Hamilton yeah. was leading for a bit and then he pit. Yeah, that's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. Um, basically so, lights the flag. Yeah, basically. But so long story short, I think that he um he uh he he really deserves this. I think that this is Felipe Massa said at the sprint interview uh yesterday. He said this is the first of many, George Russell. I think this is the first of many. I do think we're looking at a world future world champion. Could it be next year? Could it be after that? I think we're we're getting close. You know um, what? Yeah, you're you have a very good point, Jordan. Um he he when the car was doing terribly, he was Mr. Consistent. So now we called car, him we called him the shitbox whisperer. Exactly. And now <laughs> that the car has a little a couple of miles under its belt, a couple of research, a couple of you know races of research in these new uh, uh, 
in this new car setup, in these 2022 cars, I think that, you know, when he has a half-decent car, he can put on the podium consistently. And that's what we're going to be calling Mr. Consistent soon is Mr. Podium George Russell. That's true. Let's, I, I, after we ripped Mercedes for how many years, um, if I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm happy that a Mercedes car yeah, won. Yeah, me too. I was, I, I was like, I can't, I'm so happy Mercedes won. And I was so upset when they were win last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but but as... I think I think that it it could very much be that based on the slow upward momentum that Mercedes is currently witnessing, that they could easily fight for the championship next year. This could just yeah. be this could just be one off year instead of oh you know it's a new era so they're not going to be competitive anymore. Well, if you look at Red Bull in 2020, they had won two races in 2020, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, and, you know, Max won Abu Dhabi 2020. Also, people seem to forget that. He and, did. And people and, and that pushed them to be so good in 2021. You know, they had an upward trajectory. They did a lot of research throughout the year and made their car even better for 2021 and won the championship for 2021. So I think that we're going to see kind of a similar trajectory with Mercedes now is that Near the end of the season, they got all the research together. They got all the wind tunnel time. They got all the testing done. They got some racing, some real races in this car. They're, fi- they're, they're, they're figuring out the problems. They're fixing it up. And I think the next year we start seeing an upward trajectory. I think it's going to be a three-way fight for the championship next year. I really do. Uh, see, the thing. I think, though, that the situation from 2020 to 2021 – versus 2022 to 2023 is different because of the pandemic basically not changing the regulations between 2020 and 2021. So they were basically developing the same car, whereas between now and next year, who knows what technical regulations could come in, but there's definitely going to be more drastic changes on next year's car compared to this year's versus 2020s and 2021s. But that still doesn't mean that they won't be fighting for the championship. I think I think that they'll. I think they have a good base, is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah, they definitely do. And as uh, as the broadcast team said, Steve Nidge nil, Kingsland one. One. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, Lewis Hamilton is becoming a likable character. And yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, who saw that coming? Because we certainly. I did like not. Lewis. Yeah. I, really I like both. And, so like far, we like we saw him as like the big villain last year, uh, for like the underdog Max, and now Max is just, just like being a major ba- baby again. <laughs> he was um, a baby last year. I wanted Lewis. To oh, be. I said again. I didn't mean yeah. for the first time. This is like not new. So, yeah. Looking forward to seeing what Christian Horner has to say. But on that note, Jonah, yeah, we have our final race in Abu Dhabi. You were at the track actually a couple of weeks ago. I was. Two weeks ago, I was in Abu Dhabi at the track. And now that you did your pre-race scouting, what do you see for Abu Dhabi? What are your predictions? My, my prediction is that the people who will not be in F1 next year 
will retire from the race. So that's Daniel Ricardo, Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian and Vettel, Nicholas Latifi. And Nicholas Latifi. Okay, that's actually not a bad prediction. And possibly Mick Schumacher. My prediction is that I think that Ferrari and Mercedes will make up the podium once again. Mm. And I think it's going to be a 1-2-1. It's not going to be a 1-2. It's going to be a Ferrari in the middle and two Mercedes sandwiching them. And I think is that, it gonna be is it gonna be Russell or Hamilton? I think that Lewis Hamilton will not have a season where he wins zero races. I think that he'll win next race. Honestly, I would vibe with that. If he wins, I would vibe with that. Because like yeah, sure. the championship's done already. At yeah. this point, I'm here for the jokes. I'm here for the drama. I'm here for the racing. I'm just here to see the cars go through that twisty, turny pit exit. That's 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 all I'm here for. <laughs> that's all that we're here for. <laughs> Look, I, I will it goes say under the track. Yeah, the circuit is beautiful. It is a beautiful looking circuit, and it's very well done. And they've made it better this uh, last, last year, year for racing. So you know what? I'm intrigued to see how this how this uh race goes. Um be, uh, especially with the new cars that are supposed to be more competitive, more passing and everything. Um through Yas Marina. Yeah. So yeah, we've finished the penultimate episode of season two of the JJF1 podcast. Yeah. Um thank you everyone for listening. If you want to uh, listen to us for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the off season and beyond. Feel free to like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram at the JGF One Podcast. Listen to us on YouTube, everywhere, wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon. I'm adding more to this exit. Anyways, we will see you for the next episode. See ya. Bye.